you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 51. Hey, podcast listeners. If you happen to have a strong-willed kid who is kind of pushing every one of your buttons lately, I have a resource for you. I made you guys a free guide where you're going to get some tools and tips and strategies to quickly get on the road to creating a happier household. I know you're pulling your hair out. I wanted to make you something so you could start getting some quick wins and building some momentum. So if you want to grab your copy, just go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash free guide. And I hope you enjoy it. My name is Randy Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. So today on the podcast, I want to talk about a post that I saw recently in a mom's group on Facebook, a group that has about 6,000 members where people typically um, tag me here and there to weigh in on things. And when I go through and I've been tagged on something or if I read um, a post that in some way concerns me. I quite often find myself getting a little depressed and it just seems so doom and gloom so much of the time. And what I find is like this, so this mom in this post, she was talking about her son who was two and she says, please tell me it gets better. He's defiant. He won't listen. He's crazy active. I turn my back. He's on the table. He's on the chairs. He's on the counters. Nothing I tell him works. Nothing is working. Nothing. Like, it's like nothing is working. Like, what all has she tried? Please tell me, does it get better? And so she really was looking for, like, mom community, which I get that. Like, motherhood especially, I think, is something that we don't talk about is, I think it can be really lonely and really isolating and... I think there's so much mom shame out there and there's so much judgment and everyone finds themselves in judgment. And recently I've been studying over the last, I don't know, year or so a lot about judgment and typically we judge other people that, and we're all guilty of it. Me definitely included. This has just been something, an area that I've been working on is we typically judge other people who are like a step or two behind us as a way to make ourselves feel better. Like, oh, at least I'm not as bad as that person. I remember there used to be a couple that I knew that would like high five each other. This is so gross. When they found out that people were getting divorced. And so obviously they had some 
issues and insecurities in their own marriage. And so it was like, oh, these people are worse off than us. But I recently have re read that, that we judge people that we know we're like, oh, there's some evidence that that they're doing even worse than I am, so I can maybe feel better about myself. It's like a superficial way to feel better. And um, and so I think that's so often the case in parenting is we, deep down, like we all, like the big worry is, please just tell me I'm not screwing this up. Please just tell me I'm not going to screw up my kids. Or even the joke of, well, my kids already have a therapy fund. It's like, we're all going to screw this up, but it's deep down our biggest worry and we really want to get it right because like we're raising humans, we're raising people like this is pretty important. And so we all know that. And at the end of the day, we all know we're going to do it imperfectly. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to bring pieces of the programming from when we grew up and even the, you know, especially the things we didn't like, we're going to bring those patterns and those pieces to the table until we learn how to do it differently. And then we practice and practice and practice and practice how to do it differently. And there's lots of things from most of our, our programming in our childhood and our upbringing. There's lots of things that we want to repeat, that we want to do well. We want to do the way our parents did. I think so often, though, with the things we remember or the things we just really want not to repeat are, are all the things that, that we're more focused on that didn't go so well. And I don't think a lot of this stuff is even in our conscious brain. I think a lot of it's in our subconscious brain, and so we're not even all, always aware of that. So I see a lot of that in these moms groups. I see where people are searching for community and there's a lot of nuanced competition. Um, there's a little bit of a condescending attitude at times. There's a little bit of that, avid, oh, yeah, let's commiserate. I got you, girl. You know, oh, I've been there too, which looks like empathy, but I actually think it's, it's destructive because what we got to remember is you become like the five people you surround yourself with. With the most. So choose carefully, that famous saying, I think by Jim Rohn, is when we commiserate on how terrible kids are, and then we have other people showing up being like, oh yeah, same for me, same for me, same for me. Well, what we focus on grows, and then that starts to normalize that that reality is everyone's reality, and, um, and we just can't even expect any better. And I think that's super destructive. So I saw some people chiming in being like, you know, when she's like, does it get better with her active two-year-old? She's like, I saw something, no girl, it gets worse. And then a bunch of people started chiming in. Oh, wait till three and wait till four. And, um, and this particular mom, she's like, spanking is the only thing that seems to work. We've tried reward charts. We've tried, you know, sticker bribes, threats, and all those things work for a minute and then they wear off and, that's exactly what I teach, that all those things are just band-aids, but they're not long-term solutions. And and I think that, um, you know, it's interesting because that whole what you focus on grows. So, so two-year-olds that you believe and you identify and classify and categorize as terrible 
Will they grow up to be teens? Do you think they grow up, those, those two-year-olds, those terrible two-year-olds? And I'm putting that in air quotes because obviously I don't think any two-year-old is terrible. Do you think they grow up to be fantastic teens? Or do you think they grow up to be terrible teens too? Right? That's just going to grow. So keep focusing on that and you're sure to have a hell of a ride when those two-year-olds become teenagers. And when you look at two- and three-year-old defiant behavior as terrible, right? Like, I yes, they're going to be terrible at four and five and six and seven and eight. And it's just going to become this out-of-control train. And, and I want you to know one of the mastermind parenting pillars that I teach, all behavior is communication. Okay, so there's no terrible behavior. All behavior is communication when we have the courage to get curious and to look at what is our kid trying to tell me. They don't know how to verbalize it. They don't know how to tell me. They don't have a fully developed brain. They don't know have those communication skills yet. So they show me and tell me how they're feeling on the inside with their behavior on the outside. So the way we would look at a busy two-year-old that is climbing all over everything and seeming kind of hyper and real argumentative and defiant uh, is a busy two-year-old is like we gotta start with basic needs like let's look at sleep food activity we gotta investigate and assess all behaviors communication and then Based on that, what's we have to learn a better way to support them. If it's a sleep thing, I mean, even an hour of sleep deprivation for a two-year-old. So a lot of two- and three-year-olds act like they're ready to give up their naps. And let me just tell you, an hour, hour and a half less of sleep a day for a two- or a three-year-old is the difference between a crazy, hyper kid that doesn't, that is not able to listen and, you know, a, a cooperative kid that seems joyful and easygoing. So, so that's the thing with sleep-deprived kids. Their symptoms look very similar to ADHD. Whenever I hear somebody say, "Oh, I'm for sure my two or three-year-old is going to be diagnosed with ADHD," I'm like, "How much sleep are they getting? And what are they eating?" Because um, at two, they also start to lose their appetite. Because, you know, when you're growing into toddlerhood, you're kind of meant developmentally to lose some of that, that baby chub. So it becomes really important for us to make sure that they're getting the right nutrients, that they're getting, uh, that they're not just eating goldfish and pretzels and sugar all day, but they're also getting some you know, a decent amount of protein and, and, and minerals and, and nutrients from some fruits and vegetables. So we've got to get curious, investigate, assess. What does the sleep look like? What does the food look like? What does the activity look like? You know, a lot of, a lot of kids at two and at three, and especially boys, they're real into developing their gross motor skills. So how much of an outlet? Are they having a lot of screen time? Is there a lot of opportunity for running and playing and really getting to, I'll say, like run them like a puppy? Like, like we've got to make sure they're getting enough activity. Uh, and remember, kids learn by what we model. 
Spanking is hitting. So when you're spanking to shut it down, because just know, like just like those reward charts and sticker charts and the one, two, three and the counting and all that kind of stuff, it's going to work temporarily, right? It's like, it's something that your kids, especially if you haven't done it before, it's like, it kind of, it's something they're, they're, they're unfamiliar with. So it's going to be a surprise. And, and as soon as they familiarize themselves with it, it's just something that becomes part of the deal. It, they, they're on to it. And that's when the sticker charts and all those things stop working. Um, they're just a band-aid. It's the same thing. Like spanking, it's a band-aid. It install, it instills fear and it's going to shut it down in the moment. And then it, it, it helps your child to associate pain with a certain activity. So it may shut that activity down or that behavior down temporarily, but they don't associate all behaviors that um, you can consider off limits to, to be associated with that same pain. So then they do start doing and they start playing around with other behaviors that are usually bigger. And, and oh, this is the other thing. A lot of the moms in this thread were calling their kids a naughty and naughty behavior. So just to use that terminology, they're going to start uh, experimenting with a lot of naughtier behavior. And so anytime we're identifying our kids as terrible or naughty, what we focus on grows. We're going to get terrible and naughty behavior. We're not going to get more cooperative behavior. And when we use things like spanking and fear, do you think that fosters connection? Like, or does it foster, does it foster a team mentality? Does it fought like when somebody's when somebody you're afraid of that you think is going to put their hands on you and hurt you, are you more inclined to feel connected to them and to trust them and for them to be your soft place to land when you need help figuring something out? Like, is that somebody who you consider to be on, on your team or does that, does that contribute to a whole like weird power hierarchy that there's all kinds of deep seated stuff that comes from that. We know, we all know that we know those fear tactics. They may shut down a certain behavior in the moment. Chances are you're going to need a lot worse behaviors down the road because nobody likes being controlled. Nobody likes being fearful. And you certainly get to an age, it's usually called adolescence, where you're going to rebel against anyone that was instilling fear in you. And you're going to show them that it's, you know, it's revenge time. And that's the whole reason for, for teenage rebellion. So are you okay? Kids learn by what we model. Spanking is hitting. Are you okay with your kids hitting their siblings? or other kids at school, because when you spank them and hit them, just know that's what you're modeling. If I want to shut down the behavior, if I want to control someone else, and I can't think of, or I don't know the communication tools to be able to do so, I'm just going to hit them, especially if that person is smaller than me. So are you okay with your kids going out into the world and hitting other people to get their needs met, or get their point across, or to make sure that they have control of the situation. So when you spank your kids, just remember that's what you're teaching them to do. And it'd be pretty hypocritical if you're spanking them and then you're not okay with them going and hitting other people to get their way. So changing the conversation in your home, it happens when our kids are two, 
when they're 8, when they're 12, when they're 16, when they're 22. The way it begins is we, begins by us getting curious and realizing all behaviors communication. If I got a busy, defiant 2-year-old, what are they trying to tell me? What's going on? Let's investigate. It's like going to the doctor. If you go to the doctor and say, my elbow hurts, the doctor's going to ask questions before they diagnose and then offer some form of a remedy or solution. We got to do the same with our kids. We got to look at their behavior and we've got to investigate and ask questions and figure it out and assess basic needs. It's not a one size fits all approach. Like we're all human four leaf clovers. We're not robots and it takes a minute for us to figure this out, learn these new communication tools, and also realize like our kids are growing and changing and developing and and you know parenting doesn't come with a manual right and and our kids don't come with a manual everybody is a unique individual and when we start to have these productive conversations in our home by being curious and figuring things out and not overpowering through control and measures that don't feel good for anyone, well, when we start to learn how to have this productive conversation and learn these tools, our kids learn from a very young age that we're a team. Like this family is a team. And and it, it sends them the message that we're willing to understand them. We're willing to get curious and learn new supportive tools to help them be their best selves. We're not going to spank and stifle their spirit. We're going to work together. We're going to be their soft place to land. We're going we're gonna to connect before we correct. We're going to build trust. So I urge you guys to learn new tools to master your mind and and I'm so grateful that you're listening to this podcast. And I'm so, and I hope I've heard from so many of you. I know so many of you have sent me the sweetest messages and thanking me for this podcast. Um, and so I really hope that you're taking this to heart and you're trying some of these strategies out in your home. And if you feel called to take this further, you'd like some more hand holding and accountability, please reach out to me. Uh, you know, I. I, I have a really special mom community and um, and even after it's so fun to hear from people like you know two years after they've worked with me I, I got a I got a message from a mom who I don't think she's worked with me in maybe two years or so a year and a half to two years and she sends me a message this morning and she said hey I've been thinking about you I hope everyone's good and I wanted to thank you for the most valuable gift you gave me the ability to see my son for who he is and embrace him. It really has come full circle and questions have been answered and I owe it to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You have changed my life and my relationship with my children and I value that more than anything in the world. I hope you continue to reap your rewards while changing lives. Thank you for leading me to the priceless gift of engagement with my babes. Love you. So, and I said to her, this is it. This is why I do what I do. And, um... It's not because of me. Like I tell everyone, I don't live in your house. All I'm doing is I'm a vehicle sharing some information and a recipe that's worked for me and many other parents. But it's up to you to take action. It's up to you to be willing to have the curiosity and the courage to take 
action, imperfect action, because none of this comes naturally. We weren't, most of us weren't raised with these programs. It takes time and practice to learn this new style of communication. And you have to be willing, like I tell my kids all the time, whenever you're a beginner at something, nobody starts off as an expert. It gets vulnerable. You got to be willing to suck. So you're going to start and it's going to be fumbly and you're going to keep getting back on that horse and back on that horse and back on that horse because imperfect action, every time you get it back on that horse, imperfect action is better than perfect inaction, like perfect inaction. So imperfect action, being willing to try, being willing to sound awkward, being willing to be fumbly, it's all part of the deal, you guys. And I encourage you to get on that horse and start being willing to suck. Um, okay, guys, hope you have a great week. Bye for now. Hey, podcast listeners, if you're ready to take this learning to the next level and get some accountability and some handholding, I encourage you to schedule a call with me and hop on my calendar. And to do that, all you need to do is go to randyrubenstein.com forward slash discovery. That's randyrubenstein.com forward slash discovery. Can't wait to connect with you.